You're listening to the Weekly Buzz, brought to you by electricianslibrary.com, where we're building the world's largest online informational resource for the electrical trades, including product videos, data sheets, stories, and more. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash electricianslibrary, and follow us on Twitter at electriclibrary. Now, on with the show. Hey, welcome back to Buzz Nation. Welcome to the Weekly Buzz. This is episode 27. I got John Muir lapping over there already. <laughs> Just with the intro. Enthusiastic, are we? <laughs> hey, it's been a long time. Oh, been like two months. <laughs> we hope you've been missing us. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We get going pretty good and then we just stop. Just die. Well, you know, I'd like to say it was just uh, out of pure laziness, but you've been busy. Uh, you know, I've probably been lazy, but <laughs> we've, we've got some cool things coming yeah, your way. We've got some good stuff coming. we got some good stuff coming. So, just to recap, my name is John Workman, and uh, we're coming up on an anniversary here. You know, we're coming up on an anniversary. We'll talk about it in a minute. But my name is John Workman. My co, yeah, my co-host, my co-host. If you don't know my co-host, John, is, John Muir, you he, almost claimed to be me, which is a, you know, that's not very good. My co-host is way more, way more interesting than I am. He is a farmer, an inventor, a sheep herder, a naturalist, an explorer, writer, and conservationist. Wow. He is John Muir. I am. Oh, wait. That was John Muir the Explorer. Uh, Not you. Well, he spelled his name wrong anyway. <laughs> That's so. right. He's got that stupid <laughs> H in the middle the there. H. <laughs> the uh, H. That's right. Stupid H. <laughs> Anyways. So, yes. I'm John Workman. This is John Muir. And we're excited to be back for episode 27 of the Weekly Buzz, the podcast for electricians. And we will... Do better. We will. At Weekly Buzz. That is right. It, it is called the Weekly Buzz. So. For a reason, not the biannual buzz <laughs> or like the quarterly buzz. Yes. So, yeah, we're excited to get back into it and uh, sitting in our little office here enjoying the, the microphone. And, and I apologize. I don't have my pop filter on today. So, if you hear a lot of into the mic, I apologize. I apologize. We'll have to wipe that spit off the <laughs> microphone and keep that. <laughs> that's right, that's right. All right, so uh, let's get into this. we got a couple Instagram shout-outs. Uh, the first one is Jose Almon, Almont, Almonte, Jose Almont Electric, Inc. Jose so, Almonte. That's right. So Jose, A-L-M-O-N-T-E, Electric underscore ink underscore. So the picture I'm seeing right here is just uh, sitting with a lovely lady. I'm assuming it's your wife. You've got a pimp and go watch on. I don't know what kind it is, but I love watches, and so I went directly to your watch. And uh, <laughs> that's a good looking, good looking watch there, Jose. So shout out to you. Thanks for uh, thanks for following us on Instagram. And then uh, the second uh, second shout out we got here is J, yeah, just the letter J four Y. I'm thinking you're standing for J, but just the four is in place of the Y. Dot C E E. So maybe J C, 
but you got a four in place of the A. Uh, sporting the LA Dodgers hat, we got a good friend who is a Dodgers fan, so he'd be excited. I've always been a Dodgers fan too. In fact, the last two years, my son has played on the Dodgers for Little League, so okay. I'm down, down with the Dodgers. <clears throat> Dodgers are good. Like to see them in person. That would be fun. It'd yeah. be a good time. Gotta try that out. Sometime. If anybody wants to send us Dodgers tickets, <laughs> we'll give you our address. That's right. We'll <laughs> gladly take them off your hands. <laughs> so those are our two Instagram shout-outs for this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And speaking of Instagram, uh, we are over a thousand followers now. We're like a thousand and eight followers on Instagram. Wow. Which is I, I never thought we'd get that far, you know, to be honest. Sky's the limit now. And that kinda that kind of plays into the anniversary that we're coming up on. Uh, this project all launched right around September twenty first, twenty fourteen. Wow. So we're about to hit the one year mark for Electrician's Library, Weekly Buzz. You know, we should be at episode 52 right now. But, well, you know, know it's kind of right. kind of like the school year. You know, you get a break in the summer. And, that's know. right. That's right. <laughs> Just take a little break here. So we're hitting it hot and heavy now. <clears throat> so we're, we're getting after it again. And uh, we just want to thank all of you out there because we wouldn't be able to do this without you. And just there would be no reason to do it without you. And But to be honest, I've been impressed because you, John, started this project a year ago. And I wondered how it would do because it was so specific. Very like, niche-oriented. Yeah, very niche-oriented. Yeah. Electricians. I know there's a lot of you out there. But I thought, how many electricians are on social media and paying attention to that kind of thing. But there are a lot of you out there, a lot of uh, groups, online groups, electricians groups. So it's been it's been impressive to watch, and we hope that you'll continue to follow us. We'll try to bring you the best content that we can and, and keep putting out good stuff and be more consistent. Yeah, be more consistent. <laughs> but that's just it. You know, we got a 1,000 followers on Instagram, <clears throat> 1,800 on Facebook, you know, I've got a few followers on Snapchat, Vine. I mean, we got followers Twitter. Twitter. I haven't even checked Twitter lately, but we're probably at over a thousand followers on Twitter. I mean, we've got some. We've got a little bit of a following on just about every uh, social media platform out there. And yeah, like you, I I actually started the project a little skeptical, which is probably not a good way to start a project. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we're at 1,081 followers on Twitter. So thank you, guys. It's just it's awesome to be a part of this and to hopefully have this even doubled this year, you know? Yeah, and you know what? And we appreciate any of the comments and suggestions that you've made. There have been some great ones in the past. So keep them coming our way. We want to improve this as much as we can. We want to talk about the things that you guys want to know about. Uh, we'll do our research on our end, and we're happy to take comments and and uh, get you guys involved as much as possible. Yep, absolutely. So with that, we are going to jump into a tool review because that's what we're going to start doing. We've done the last couple episodes, but we're going to try to go <clears throat> even stronger with the tool reviews. And uh, so, yeah, hold on tight because here it comes. All right, today's tool review is the Klein Tools 45201 is the part number, but this is a lockout with interlocking tabs. So for your lockout tagout needs, 
Um, this is designed for locking out power sources such as disconnect switches and panel boxes, um, interlocking tabs for extra security, and this will accept up to 5 sixteenths inch diameter shackles and has an inner diameter of uh, inch and a half on the closed hasp. And this, this particular uh, model right here, the 45201, looks like it will accept up to six padlocks. So uh, you can put your lock on there and have other people put locks on there. Or if you're coming in behind somebody and they take theirs off, uh, you will be able to leave yours on and they still will not be able to get into the panel and uh, create a dangerous situation. So for all of your lockout, tagout uh, issues on the bigger projects, check that out. Klein Tools 45201, um, lockout with interlocking tabs. Hey, welcome back, Buzz Nation. I hope you enjoyed the tool review. Buzz! Buzz! <laughs> We're going to jump right into a couple of topics that we want to cover in this episode. And uh, we're going to start out talking about uh, something that's uh, we've I guess we've noticed at least I have uh, working here at a parts store and visiting with electricians each and every day. One of the things that I noticed right up front when I started working here is that a lot of electricians um, I don't know how to term it maybe felt snubbed a little bit sometimes or annoyed uh, when they would. They, they would go and do work at a person's home and hand the bill to them and immediately get complaints. Yeah, well, how in the world can you, yeah, how in the world can you charge this much, you know? And they would, uh, they obviously and, and understandably be uh, <clears throat> annoyed with that because I think one thing that's very misunderstood or maybe, maybe more just not thought about is how much education it takes to become mm -hmm. a licensed electrician. Yeah. It, it's kind of ridiculous, actually, <clears throat> to think about how much education is required, you know. I mean, a lot of education can be uh, picked up a lot faster, but just the requirements of it. But at the same time, it should be required because I want somebody who knows what they're doing to come and work on my house. You know? Yeah, and literally, it can be a matter of life and death. Yeah, it really could. If they don't know what wire they're running, they could burn my house down. They don't know what breakers they're putting in. They could kill one of my kids. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's kind of a bunch of bull that people balk so much because, and I, I kind of talk about this way back, like one of the early, early episodes of, of uh, the Weekly Buzz, um, but tradespeople are kind of looked down upon. You know, they're, they're not looked at as the same standard as a professional, quote-unquote professional, like a doctor or a lawyer or a stockbroker, you know, just because they, dude, electricians can wear suits to work if they want to, <laughs> you know, they just choose not to. Yeah, I think the distinction between, like, white collar and blue collar, for whatever reason, has has cause the separation gap in people's mind as far as education. Most of the time people think, oh, white-collar people are educated. That's how they get to that point. You need to have a lot of education. Whereas blue-collar people just go out and work. It's the people who don't go to college that end up being blue-collar type people. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I would like to see that. If anybody out there goes to work in a suit, 
to do a much more work. <laughs> send, send us a picture. Send us a photo. Hit us up on awesome. Instagram. You will get an Instagram shout out for That's sure. Right. That's right. <laughs> At any rate, uh, I just wrote a blog post about this because I've been thinking about this and and, and, and I use the example of uh, the requirements in the state of Utah since that's where we live. And I'm sure it's very similar in most states, but uh, as you begin your journey as, as an electrician, you start out as an apprentice, and to be able to license as a journeyman, it requires four years at a quote-unquote accredited type sure. of program. Yeah. You know, it's a, a state-approved yeah, program. I mean, it's schooling. School. And you have to go to school and you have to pass the exams, the competency exams each year as you go through that schooling. It's, you know, it's a nine, eight or nine month program here right. in Utah, at least where we live, where those electricians are, are attending for each year, year yeah. for each year. And once you get to the end of that and having met <clears throat> other certain requirements as far as hours to, to be worked, then you can sit and, and test to become a journeyman, which... Uh, from the journeyman that we've talked to, is not an easy test. No. In, in fact, fact, a lot of the guys around here don't pass it the first time. Yeah, it's pretty rare, actually, I think, they pass, that they pass first time. I think the motor control really gets them. It really gets them. Really really gets gets starters. Exactly. So, And then, you know, beyond that, if you want to become a master electrician and not have to work underneath the supervision of anybody else, then you have another four years yep. that you have to complete hours in certain areas within the electrical trade to be, and document these under the supervision of a master electrician to be able to sit and, and pass or take the competency test to uh, become a master electrician. A master and along that time, still doing continuing education classes as well. There you go. But you're still you, doing the book work. Exactly. If you have a license, you're required to uh, have, I want to say it was 16 hours of of uh, continuing education every two years, right? Something like that. Yeah. And every state, I'm sure, varies. But at any rate, you're, it's to help you stay up to date on the things that are going on in the electrical trade. Well, yeah, a lot of schooling. Yeah, it. You doctors of medicine out there got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're going the traditional route, and not, we just use doctor for an example because yeah. it requires a lot of schooling. But you know. It, Two years to get an associate's, two years more to get a bachelor's, so you're four years. And then if you want to move on, you know, it's two more years to get a master's degree typically, and two years after that to get a doctorate degree, yeah. PhD. Yeah. I mean, there's eight years of schooling, just like eight years basically to get a master's license. So and in the meantime, you're probably putting in some work in there too, in whatever field you're going into. So. Exactly. So, I mean, it's really comparable if you think about it. So I just... I want to give a shout out to all you electricians out there who are licensed and are working hard because it does take a lot of education and you should be able uh, to charge according to your education. Yeah, and that's absolutely. the way it works in every trade. I mean, the greater the amount of education you have, the more uh, you can require. In well, and typically the more value, value you're able to give. Yeah, exactly. And that's really that's, what it is. That's the reason why is because yeah. you're able to give more value. You Exchanging know. value. You and you trade value for currency. There right? are some master electricians out there that don't know what the heck they're doing. I <laughs> had a few of those, haven't <laughs> I'm not going to say any names, Tom. Oh, oh, oh. name dropping yeah, at any okay. rate. But yeah, there's some that provide zero value at all out there. I, I have to tell you, we just had an electrician, uh, one of our last customers today, come in 88 years old, almost 89. Uh-huh. 
He was a school teacher, but when he was young in his career as a school teacher, he tested. Things were a little different back then, but he was doing electrical work on the side and tested and became a master electrician. And he has been doing electrical work for f- over 50 years. I think if he stopped, he'd probably die. I think so. In <laughs> fact, he pretty much said that. Yeah. He said, I just got to keep going. It keeps me healthy. keeps yeah. me you know, alive and going. I think he didn't even have his teeth in today, actually. No, he was waiting on some new teeth. <laughs> Is that what he said? Just got a new knee, waiting on new teeth. He claimed that it's kind of like a new car. I mean, it's Yeah, like, just upgrading parts. Just upgrading. He might live till he's 100, whatever. <laughs> Sheesh, I'll bet his fine tools about lasted his teeth. <laughs> so. At any rate, yeah, shout out to all of you. Just want you to know that we admire you, and we certainly don't look down upon you. We deal with you guys no, every day. You guys. And, heck, you know, most people, I think, can figure out, uh, most competent people could figure out simple wiring, but, you know, beyond that, most people, it's a, you know, they, I they lack the knowledge. I got you, though. I don't think they can. Well, maybe they can. I mean, I've met a lot of people that you would consider competent, and they just don't get it. Huh? Well. You know? I, that's just my perspective. Is, well, you would think. I mean, first maybe of all, it's just because we're in this business. It could be. But, I think... Because we do this kind of stuff, it just comes easy and naturally to us, you know. It's well, at any rate, we we teach half the electricians that walk in here, anyways, what they're supposed to do. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we have a few stories about that. Yeah, it's too, good times. Good times. At any rate, yeah. yeah. But you guys are th- awesome. Thumbs up to you, educated electricians. That's right. That's right. And on the education note. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, one of the importance of education is knowing how to do things right and how to do things safe so people don't die. <laughs> and uh, one of our one of our great, uh, great friends and, and associates came in the other day talking about um, when he, he just recently had to have a safety meeting with his guys. And the subject was lockout tagout because they unfortunately had an incident. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got hurt, but they had an incident where something didn't get locked out and tagged out, and he just had to give a refresher because if if something would have happened, it would have been pretty catastrophic because that's the environment that they were in. Yes, so lockout, tagout. Uh, it's really funny. Sometimes people look at safety and they think, oh, what the heck. You know, Nothing's going to happen. It's it's. It's like I still see people driving around without a seatbelt on. I don't understand that. I mean, we live in, in a time where seatbelt laws have been enforced for so long, and they've been proven to help in the majority of cases. Right. Why wouldn't you want to wear one? There are some people that just think that they don't work. Like, I've actually talked to people who say that a seatbelt, they were actually in an accident, and had they been wearing their seatbelt, it would have killed them. Yeah. So they feel like a seatbelt would be more dangerous, but I, I've never felt that way. I was going to say, that has to be the minority of the cases. I mean... But I think, yeah, but I think a lot of it is just, it's nothing's going to happen to me. Exactly. But you know what? I have, I've actually spent about a half an hour reading some real case studies about unfortunate accidents that happened due to uh, ineffective lockout tag... Ineffective or absent yeah. lockout tagout yeah. programs, so... Yeah. I mean, obviously, the biggest reason for lockout tagout is safety. Sure. I mean, we I read an article about, uh, and this was several months ago, but read an article about, uh, like, the emergency stop buttons. Those were actually originally built or made to protect the equipment. 
Oh. Like they didn't even have the safety <laughs> of the operator in mind. Ah. But obviously, with the lockout tag out, the the uh, the uh, safety of the operator or of the electrician, the maintenance person, whoever it is, is highest on the list. You know, that's why you could say OSHA's around. I guess is to make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. But safety, we don't. You know, nobody needs to die for this stuff. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, OSHA and MSHA and all these places, these safety organizations kind of get a bad rap sometimes because they can be pretty anal. Yeah. It's true, and we hear a lot of stories about that. But at the same time, uh, most of the things, most rules come from, from, you know, there's a reason behind them. You know, rules come around because there's been incidences that have necessitated a rule be put, you know, that a rule be put in place. Yeah. So, and here you're dealing with, granted, equipment can get very expensive, but it can be replaced. You can't replace people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what we've got here is kind of five steps to an effective lockout tagout program, or LOTO, if you've ever heard that term. But, uh, so the first step would be um, to develop, develop the program, you know, the energy control program. Okay, so you've got to know where things, where the energy's starting, where uh, it's ending, and you need to put this in place so that your employees know kind of where everything is. Yeah, it's start to finish. You got to know which things need to be locked out. Yeah, what down. needs to be locked out? What are the procedures from going to start to finish? Yeah. You know, who's going to be able to uh, use? I mean, who can? access this equipment yeah. and work and that's probably a really good point right there yeah am i allowed to work on this equipment yes or no yeah if I i'm not then i'm not touching it you know so if i'm not authorized don't ask me to go work on it exactly and if i'm not authorized i'm not going to ask you to work on it it goes both ways sometimes it's easy especially as men we think <laughs> i can do that you know i don't care if they tell me i can't do it i can do it and be fine yeah but improper education can cause a real a real issue if you don't know what you're working on. Especially if nobody else knows that uh, you're not authorized and you're stepping into somebody else's place yep. doing something and you don't know the procedures or somebody else is working on it and you're in there too, butting in and they don't know about it. I mean, I've heard some stories about that. Maybe I'll share one in a minute. Yeah. In fact, I, <clears throat> I was talking to a guy the other day, uh, ran into him. And Bet that hurt. Yeah, it did. It always <laughs> does when you run into somebody. <laughs> but I mean, he was severely burned. Huh? Okay, so burns on his face. His hands were all bandaged. I said, "Man, what happened?" And he was pulling some fuses out of four eighty volt disconnect. And he thought that the power that there wasn't any power. Ooh. But he did take a meter to check it. There was it was not locked out back at the source. And he just thought, quote unquote, that everything was good. 480 volt. 480. Yeah. And so it arc flashed, and he, I mean, he had some pretty good burns. He's lucky, he's lucky he's alive. Well, since we, you shared the story, I talked to one of our other electricians that comes in, and, and they had an incident at their company where it had been locked out at the source, at the breaker panel. Uh, had been locked out, but unknowingly, uh, this person flipped back on the, the power source 
not knowing that somebody else had stepped over to the motor oh, to start working on it, and it was not locked out there. And so as the power source hit and the motor began, the guy's fingers went right through the Ooh. machine, and he lost he lost part of it, well, most of his fingers. So there's a lot of incidences you don't think about. Even things unrelated to electricity. I'd read a story today about two uh, teenagers who got asked to help at a granary and stomped down the corn inside one of the silos that was, was clumped up so that okay. it would flow properly. Well, they got in there and they were the grain or the corn was flowing out of the silo. They had it turned on. Well, when they started stomping, it created a suction and it sucked oh, those geez. two right down in and they suffocated and died. You're kidding me. And so that was a result of not having a program in place that would have prevented that. Yeah. Because I guess it was it was pretty well known that shouldn't be happening anyway. Sure. But now here's a company who was on the line for two deaths. Wow. Can you imagine? Dude, that's that? horrible. That just makes so me there's sick. all kind. Of, I mean, this doesn't just you know relate to electricity. It relates to any safety type yeah. of situation. Yeah, absolutely. So, so without the, the program, what, the, what's next? <laughs> we're both jumping on it. That's right. Uh, after you develop the program, then having written uh, procedures in place that are specific for each step throughout that. <laughs> That program, from I mean each piece of equipment, you've got to know A through Z what needs to happen and in what order yeah. in order to be safe. And that's one of my biggest issues is I tend to think that when I put a thought out there, even if I don't say it, everybody should just know it. Okay, if I'm thinking this, why isn't everybody else thinking that? And it's that assumption, it's that assuming that things are going to get done. You know, that things are going to get done the way you think they're going to get done. And not everybody thinks like I do. Not everybody thinks like you do. Sometimes, a lot of times, especially with a safety program, things have to be written down. Yeah. You just have to. And it mentions Build a flowchart with arrows or stars or whatever, you know. And you never know. I mean, some facilities, there could be hundreds of pieces of equipment in these facilities. And maybe for one process, there's 10 or 20 pieces of equipment that you're working on through this process. You got to stop and work on one thing. Well, what about all the other things in the line that you've got to worry about getting stopped? Well, not only that, there could be a hundred other people working at the same place. So exactly. when you get a hundred hundred pieces of equipment with a hundred different people, I mean, it's just disaster waiting to happen. Exactly. So everybody, <laughs> hence the need to be uh, everybody needing to be trained uh, on the programs and yeah. procedures. So absolutely. Okay, so that's step number two. So step one, develop develop the program. Step two, write it down. Have it written down. Okay, step three is to identify energy control points. So we got to know where the power's coming from. We got to know where it's going. We got to know what in between there can turn it on, can turn it off. So kind of like you said earlier, you can lock it out at the at the source, at the load center panel board, whatever, MCC, whatever it might be. But then if you've got a switch down, uh, you know, a push button, a switch, toggle, whatever it might be, you need to lock that out too, just in case, you know, if, if the only point of on off is back at the source, lock it out. But if you've got a switch in between, you know, you need to, you need to lock both places out and you need to identify all those points. And that should be in that written 
area too. Okay, we got equipment 101. So we have a procedure for equipment number 101. This is the procedure. We lock it out at point A. We lock it out at point B. Yeah. You know, and then there's no question. There's Makes no sense. Question. Yep, got to have that uh, identified <laughs> so that there is absolutely no chance of something happening. I actually read another story today about a person who got crushed because the power was off, but uh, it, had, it wasn't locked out properly. They had switched the breaker off, and somehow there was a surge or something happened that it uh, it uh, energized that piece of equipment just enough, that, and it was a big press, and it squished him. Ugh. It squished the guy. Just a, a little bit, just enough that it got him. And I thought, jeez, that, that would be awful. Yeah, just, just, it, I just saw an, almost yeah. careless. Man. Yeah, I, I mean, not even careless, but just, ah. I saw another gruesome picture. <laughs> <laughs> and but you were busy on that. I was, I was, uh, you know, I just, I Googled, if you guys are interested in this, I just Googled common lockout tagout injuries. And... It pulled up stuff. There's a picture there, and it ha didn't have any background on it. It was just a picture at the top of this article that showed a guy with this... I mean, it looked like one of those steamroller wheels, yeah. but it was some kind of press, and it was it had geared teeth all the way around it. And I'm, I'm talking this thing looked like it was probably seven or eight feet in diameter. And this guy that had a chain, this massive chain that turned this thing, and the guy was stuck between that, like he was about to be sucked all the way underneath. Oh, I'm looking him, it up right now. And he was stuck, and his the, his legs were in there, no pinched way. between the chain and the tooth. Dude, do, do you see it? Yeah, can you see that? You guys got to look this up. Oh my, that's ridiculous. That's it's crazy. like he's getting ready to cut his legs exactly. off. Exactly. I'll bet you he lost his legs. I, it looks to oh. me. It looks like those teeth are probably dug into yeah. his legs. Yeah. That is nuts. Nasty. <laughs> Graphic material. View at your own risk. Okay, so step number four. So we've got, so far, develop a written plan and you know procedures. Uh, write them down. They've got to be written down, yep. specific for each step along the way. And then number three, we've got to know the, the, the points, points of energy. Yeah, wherever the sources of energy are coming from. Number four, training. Uh... Proper communication and, and periodic inspections to make sure that everybody's on the same page and that they're following the procedures. Uh, so somebody's got to be checking on this stuff. Yeah. Somebody's got to be inspecting it, holding people accountable, exactly. and making sure that the actual processes, the procedures that are written down, actually function properly. That's a, that's a big problem because, once again, back to the whole, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Well... I'll put my lock in there, but I'm not going to lock it. Like, I'm not going to push it closed just because that takes too much time to find the key and whatever. Somebody can still come by. Well, if it's not locked, then I must be able to take this off. Somebody just forgot to take their lock. Yeah. You know? One of the things that a lot of companies that I've seen around here do, um, we've mentioned before we're big into oil and gas out here, and they have a safety meeting every morning before they start. Huh. And so they go over... Their procedures every day, what they're going to do, and so it's that reminder every single day. So that could be a suggestion, you know, for the proper training, uh, you know, just a daily quick reminder. You know, this article that we're uh, referencing, 
uh, actually estimates here, it says because of lockout tagout programs that are successfully administered, it can prevent an estimated 250,000 incidents, 50,000 injuries, and 120 fatalities a year. That's a lot. Could be prevented. I mean, think how much money is lost mm-hmm. due to injuries or deaths a year. Because just, you think of an injured person who's out for two or yep. three months. Yep. And all of a sudden, you've got workman's comp workman's issues you're dealing with. You've got, got lost, lost hours. You know, lost you productivity. Can, exactly. I mean, these are things that obviously can be prevented. I'm not a safety guy, but I, I'm sure it takes a ton of work to get a program in place that runs efficiently. Yeah. Certainly worth paying for that. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. It's not worth the long run. It's not worth losing somebody's life or, or the injuries that could potentially uh, this. What am I? What's the word I'm looking for? Disability. Disability. You know, leave a permanent, a temporary or permanent disability with you know, not worth it. Yeah. So take the time, do some training. You know, it's just it's not worth it for sure. Yep. So what's number five? Number five, the last one is to provide proper protective products. Companies are required to provide the safety equipment. So you shouldn't you shouldn't have a program in place and then expect the employees to come up with the, the yeah. safety equipment. Go buy your own stuff. Yeah. I mean these You have to do it, but you've got to buy it yourself. Yeah. I mean, you as a company are on the line. You, companies are required to purchase liability insurance, sure. uh, workman's comp insurance. I mean, you're the guy. You're the ones who are on the line paying for this stuff. If something happens, as a and you're the the company responsible for that, and it's yeah, it's, it's going to come back on you. It's going to come back on you. It's going to increase your insurance costs. It's going to, like I said, lost time, the emotions of the whole thing. Oh yeah, you know the, the you get sued by family members. Yeah, the attitudes of your other employees. Osha's going to find you. Osha's, Osha's going to find you. Yeah, you don't want to even go there. No, nope. it's better to be safe than sorry. That old saying: safe, better safe than sorry. So one last thing that uh, kind of along those lines of having your own equipment or making sure you have the proper equipment. One thing, and I'm sure most of you out there do this anyways, but make sure you have your own lock. Make sure that nobody else has a key to your lock because they can come by and take it off. But if you're the only one that has a key to your lock. You're the only one that can take it off. And so if five other people are working on the same equipment and they get done and come take their locks off, they can't just turn it back on with, with your lock still on. That's a great idea. Yeah. And so they make the little tags. Maybe that's what we'll do. You know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that too. But they make these little little tags. In fact, now that we're saying this, we're going to do the uh, tool review. <laughs> and this is going to be the tool review. Yeah, so you you've already heard about this. <laughs> but the uh, the Klein has a lockout tagout uh, little clasp. Yeah. And you can put, I think, six six locks in it. And so, yeah, you're if you're the last lockout, you're the one that can earn power back on. There you go. So. At any rate, uh, can't emphasize enough. The importance of safety. I'm sure many of you out there have stories that you can share with us about uh, things you've seen almost happen or things you've seen happen due to improper uh, safety yeah. uh, awareness or uh, lack of it, of safety altogether. So, yeah, we'd love to hear some of your stories if you want to send some of that in. 
maybe the, some successful stories as well of things that have been prevented. Yeah, things that actually worked. I mean, the gruesome stories are nice, but it's also <laughs> nice to be able to... Only know, if you're not the yeah, one involved yeah, exactly. in them. <laughs> but hearing some of the success stories of things that have been prevented due to proper uh, safety precautions. So, Excellent. Here we are. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think... Uh, yeah. I think we I think we covered lockout tagout pretty good. So, uh, yeah. So education. Thank you guys for being educated. We appreciate the ones that actually care. And then yeah, use that education to lockout tagout, and you know just keep keep doing good work. So it's been fun to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be on the ball. I'm actually taking a picture right now <laughs> to post to Instagram. Uh, so that we can promote episode 27. So once again, you'll have already seen the picture. But yep. <laughs> so anyways, uh, any final parting words, Mr. Muir? I don't know. I've just been thinking how fun this is. We're excited to get back into it. Excited to get, shoot us some suggestions, things you want to hear about. We've got some things uh, already lined up for the next few episodes. But heck, send us some ideas, things you want to know about. We'll do the research. We'll, we'll uh, bring it to you on the mic. You got it. So you heard it right there from the inventor, farmer, conservationist. (laughs) And uh, until next time, stay grounded.